In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today we're joined by AJC State House correspondent Maya Prabhu. Hey, Maya, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we're like minutes, minutes ago, we witnessed um, Governor Kemp doing what we all thought he would do, what we all knew he would do from the moment that legislation passed, which is signing the anti-abortion HB 481, the heartbeat bill. Yeah, so we knew that this day was coming. Um, It took a little bit longer than some people thought uh, to get here, but we knew that he would sign it. He said during the campaign that he would sign the toughest abortion restrictions in the country. um, And now he now Georgia is among those states that have done that. And he kind of repeated that today when he signed the bill right before he he put ink to paper. He said um, essentially that I've made this promise on the campaign trail, and uh, here we are preserving the sanctity of life. As you all know, Georgia is a state that values life. We protect the innocent. We champion the vulnerable. We stand up and speak for those who are unable to speak for themselves. The Life Act is very simple, but also very powerful. A declaration that all life has value, that all life matters and that all life is worthy of protection. He was also joined by Ed Setzler and Renee Unterman. Those were the two main sponsors of the bill in the House and the Senate. They spoke at length, along with a lot of legislative leaders. Did you hear anything new, interesting? Um, nothing really new. You know, a lot of a lot of ground was covered. We had probably a total of 10 or 12 hours of testimony throughout the entirety of the bill making its way through the legislative process. So a, a lot of a lot of things were said. A lot of speakers were the same. They had, um, you know, supporters of the legislation. There were about seven speakers in total. Um, a lot of supporters of the legislation who spoke during the heating, hearings were also there on hand today to, to pledge their support. Let's talk about how the bill works. So it doesn't take effect till early 2020. But what we know for certain is it's going to face legal challenges. Um, we, we think that the, some of the more prominent groups are going to wait till the summer to file their legal challenges because there's no rush to file them now because it doesn't take effect till, till 2020. The broad strokes, talk about the broad strokes with, the, with the, what, what it actually means for, for women who would seek abortions. So what this bill will do, or what this law now, what this law now does is it outlaws abortions in most instances at once a fetal heartbeat is detected. Now, there's some 
you know, argument behind the science of whether or not it's a heartbeat. Supporters of the legislation say it is. Uh, doctors who testified in opposition said that it is not exactly a heartbeat. So there's that, you know, quirk. And then also... Um, that's usually as early as six. It's, it's as early as six weeks, which is typically before most women know they're pregnant. Mm. Most women realize they're pregnant about at about eight weeks. Um, so they are exceptions. Um, you can get an abortion after six weeks uh, in instances of rape, incest, uh, if the life of the mother is in danger, or a fetal anom anomaly where the fetus wouldn't make it on its own afterward. In order to get uh, an abortion when you've been a victim of rape or incest, you have to have filed a police report in order to qualify for that exemption. Um, it also has some, what uh, supporters of the bill call uh, some personhood language mm -hmm. in there. That's a big deal, right? That is, that, that's what they, they say is a big deal. That's what they think makes this uh, legislation different than what other states have done. Um, and it grants protections to a fetus at, six weeks at when that heartbeat can be detected. They're included in the state's population count. A parent can claim a fetus as early as six weeks as a dependent on their taxes. And a court can determine that a father can pay um, pregnancy and labor costs um, while, the, while the mother is pregnant still. So we know that it differs from some of the other states because there's about, what, more than a dozen states have their own versions of this legislation. We've seen it pass and uh, get signed into law in a handful of states and blocked in the courts in, in those states as well. There's no doubt that there'll be a there'll be litigation and there's there's very little doubt a federal judge would block it in court here. But right now we're really talking about a race to the Supreme Court and um, Georgia leaders want this case to be the test case to challenge Roe v. Wade, don't they? They do. They they believe that those you know personhood um, inclusions in the legislation are what will make it stand up to Roe versus Wade, based on you know opinion that was written back in 1973. Now afterwards, um, Renee Underman and, and Ed Setzler, the two sponsors of the bill, were asked, "Well, is it going to be a disappointment if if Roe v. Wade?" If the Supreme Court takes another state's law, for instance, next door in Alabama, there's an even stricter law that's that's pending before lawmakers. There's similar versions in Ohio and Kentucky and Mississippi and other states. Um, and if Georgia's was not, um, you know, the the, the 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 main state's law that's challenged in court, they said, look, we can only we can only kind of account for what we do in Georgia. We hope it will be, but we can only account for Georgia. Yeah, and and it's interesting to hear the tone shift now that the bill's been signed because during the debate no one wanted to say that this was about challenging you know none of the legislators who were supporting it a lot of the supporters the grassroots the lobbyists and the speakers who came out in support of the legislation said that that's what they wanted but none of the lawmakers wanted to say that this was about challenging Roe versus Wade. They said that this is this was about Georgia and they were just focusing on saving the lives of the unborn in Georgia. And that's a fascinating segue to, to talk about how this bill evolved because this was no easy fight. I mean, you've, you've seen versions of this legislation over the years in Georgia, um, but Governor Deal, who who signed a, a, a stricter abortion restrictions um, in early in his first term, had no appetite for any any step like this. So it was kind of off the table doing doing his first and second terms. Um, Governor Kemp, though, on the campaign trail last year, he said he wanted to pass the nation's strictest abortion limits, and so that gave Ed Setzler and his allies an, an opening. 
It did. And and I think also the 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 changeover at the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, I think when um, Justice Kennedy said that he was stepping down and uh, Justice Kavanaugh got confirmed, um, anti-abortion um, activists saw this as an opportunity to kind of put the Roe versus Wade to the test. Um, and but still, at the same time, I would say that a lot of the activists early on in the process were not necessarily entirely certain that this law would actually get signed. We even had one of the speakers today um, say that, you know, she hoped and prayed that abortion would become illegal and never did she think she'd see this day come. It is my honor and privilege to introduce the next young lady who, according to the abortion industry, shouldn't be with us today. She is someone who the doctors said that she was incompatible with life. But Rachel Guy is with us today. I thank God for Governor Kemp. I thank God for Representative Setzler. I thank God for Senator Unterman. I thank God for this day. For a day that I, you know, every day I fight and I pray that abortion ends, but I truly never thought that we would see a day like this. And I thank God for a governor who stands up for the most vulnerable citizens in our in our state. So thank you. And even Governor Kemp, he had his own um, sort of evolution. His aides say he always supported this this heartbeat bill from the get-go, but at first he did not endorse it. He endorsed a separate, weaker measure called the trigger bill that would essentially allow Georgia to outlaw abortion only if Roe v. Wade was overturned first. He changed his tune on a pivotal moment right before crossover day, right before uh, the House was set to vote for the first time on the measure on the floor. Right, and and yes, it's interesting to, to hear him say that he always supported this measure when, when Representative Setzler's legislation had already been filed before the trigger bill was filed. Um, but I guess he took the temperature and, and saw that there was a lot of support for HB 481 and kind of uh, shifted his sights. So we had a very close vote in, this, in the House first. You had handful of Republicans, two Republicans in that first vote who voted against it, several others that walked, goes over to the Senate, heavy security, handmade tail, uh, women dressed from the characters from handmade tail, um, uh, protesters left and right, lots of police presence. There's that famous image of all the police cars lined up outside the Capitol, p- passes the Senate on a party line vote, then it goes to the House for one last vote. And um, it was another narrow, narrow vote. A lot of tension, a lot of, lot of, lot of, um, a lot of unexpected surprises in a way. It sounds weird to say that, but a lot of times these votes are scripted. We know what's going to happen. The outcome is known, uh, especially on major bills like this. In this case, especially in the House, it came down to just a, f- a handful of voters. Yeah, you know, it was very close. You know, the outcome was what I think, you know, general wisdom told you it would be, but it. I think was a lot closer than um, many people thought that it would be. Yeah, generally, House leaders don't bring bills like this to the floor for a vote if they don't think it will pass. So you could see um, Ralston's allies whipping furiously, trying to make sure they had all their votes locked down to get it to Governor Kemp's desk to get to get to this moment. 
same time, we had we heard from other Democratic critics, um, and a few Republican critics, like Deborah Socox, who took the f- floor of the, the House to talk about how this is a bad bill and it's, it's going to get struck down anyway. Why use your political capital on a bill like this? They were joined by medical lobbies, by civil rights groups, basically saying that not only is this bill unconstitutional, it could jeopardize the state's business reputation and cost millions of dollars to defend in court. Yeah, and and you know we we saw people come out in small business. We saw people come out from Hollywood who said that this was something that's going to drive business out of the state. Alyssa Milano came on Signy Die on the last day of legislative session, a, a moment that no one will ever forget because usually <laughs> there's not usually Hollywood actresses coming to the to the lobby of the Capitol on our on our last day of the session. But this this year was very different. Yeah, it was definitely you know tensions were high. And there was a lot of attention um, on Georgia th- throughout this process. So we, we get to the signing ceremony. Um, it was an emotional ceremony. I mean, we, we noticed Brooke Duncan, Jeff Duncan's wife, uh, getting teary-eyed in, in the background. Um, several advocates spoke, several lawmakers spoke very emotionally about, about why they wanted this bill. What, what it kind of a lot of the a lot of the narrative in Atlanta has been about these Metro Atlanta Republicans who are really at risk right now, um, vulnerable politically because those their districts are changing and, and you know, more moderate women are against um, these new restrictions. But outside of Metro Atlanta, you go to the, like you did, you go to rural Georgia and areas where it's heavily conservative. This is one of their top priorities for the voters down there, right? Yeah, you know I've travel the state talking to folks about um, how they feel about this legislation getting outside of the metro Atlanta area and you stop people on the street and and you would think they might not want to talk to a stranger about abortion but they are very very willing to share their thoughts that they think that abortion is wrong they think that life begins at conception and a lot of people wanted you know more strong personhood language they wanted an outright ban on um, on abortion Um, some people you know, understood exceptions for rape and incest, life of the mother, things like that. Some people said that all babies are created equal and, and they support an outright ban on abortion. And meanwhile, right after the governor signed the bill into law, we had a rally attended by dozens of people, um, head of the ACLU, head of the Planned Parenthood, both those chapters in Georgia, um, teachers, educators, uh, civil civil rights groups all attend this rally outside saying essentially the opposite, saying that this this will waste taxpayer dollars and this will send the wrong message to, to women voters and that promising basically electoral payback in 2020. Yeah, they are. They have begun to recruit candidates and, and line folks up, um, you know, mostly Democrats, obviously, to challenge Republicans who voted for the legislation, especially um, in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, yes, I'm Nicole. I live in Lithonia. I'm 25 and I'm actually a perinatal support specialist and lactation counselor. Well, um, I actually came to the Capitol during the session um, when they were you know, going over everything. So I just came to, um, to protest this, the signing of this bill because um, I think it does not support families whatsoever, especially with Georgia being so low in maternal mortality rates and infant mortality rates. I feel like this will exacerbate the problem as opposed to um, doing anything to help families here in Georgia. I feel like that is um, inhumane to take this option away from women. Um, It makes me scared, you know, for my own body if I were to ever need an abortion, to not have access to that here in my state um, is unsettling for me. We heard from uh, Governor Kemp who said he's not done yet. He didn't say exactly 
what the next step would be. But remember, he ran on a very socially conservative platform, not just with abortion restrictions, but also gun expan- gun rights expansions, illegal immigration crackdowns, um, a, a sales tax holiday for, for ammunition, um, and of course, support for religious liberty. He didn't go into any of those those avenues um, during his during his speech today before signing the bill, but he did make very clear that that, that he's not done yet and he wants to look at foster care and adoption rules next year and more immigration, uh, more more drug trafficking crackdowns and increasing penalties on on violent criminals. So it's really it's going to be really interesting to see where he kind of takes the social legislation part of this next. Yeah, there were a lot of you know other very socially conservative campaign promises that were made, you know, um, cover um, guns, you know, people are waiting to see what happens with that. You know, they said Governor Kemp promised us all of these things, um, but we we didn't see much traction on any gun legislation this year. So it'll be interesting to see where he puts his um, political capital next year. And what we do know, and we've mentioned this before, but there will definitely be a legal challenge. Um, we think there'll be at least one of the big lawsuits filed in the summer. Others could be filed any moment now. Um, so this is going to be dragged out in the courts. And so a lot of what you're going to be doing over the next year or so is also going into the courtrooms and seeing how judges hash this out. And if it gets to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals and if it wins that race to the to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And, and then there's also the other side of it, you know, folks who um, support the legislation who disagree with having any exceptions. They say that, you know, all babies are created equal and it's discriminatory to allow abortions in cases of in, of incest and rape. And so there are groups who say that they're going to sue, not to strike down the whole law, but just to strike down that portion of the law. And we're all also already seeing people mobilize on both sides of the issue. The supporters are trying to mobilize and energize activist conservative voters uh, well beyond Metro Atlanta to get really excited about, about these this new law. And of course, um, uh, the abortion rights groups are, as you mentioned, they're recruiting candidates. They're out there knocking on doors, making phone calls, raising money to try to get a raft of challengers to protect the the, the Democrats who voted um, against this bill and get a raft of challengers to, to go after the incumbent Republicans who voted for it. Yeah, and, and we're even seeing input from, you know, outside of the state, folks organizing and, and uh, raising money um, to try and get um, support on, on both sides of this issue. Maya, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to hear from you. And thank you for having me. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. 
Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.